0: And a good Sunday morning to you. Susie is still on a good neighbor tour for WCCO. She will be back next week, however. In the meantime, Denny Long again filling in for uh, Susie with another hour of health talk, always inviting you to join in on the conversation at 651 461 Uh, Some of you who were listening a few uh, weeks ago might remember Dr. Jeffrey Conner, who is a nephrologist, a kidney doc, uh, who uh, paid us a visit again a few weeks ago. We promised... We would ask Dr. Conner if he would uh, kindly come back, and indeed he did. So our topic this hour is uh, kidney, kidney problems. Uh, and, uh, boy, there can be so many of them. I'm uh, surprised myself about how the kidneys affect uh, our bodies. But if you, again, have a question, 651-461-9226. Dr. Conner, good morning. Thanks again for joining us on a, on a Sunday. I know you're a busy, a busy fellow.
1: Good morning, sir. Pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, very good. I I know we did this uh, when you with your last visit, but for those those folks who maybe weren't along for that particular ride, uh, tell us a little bit about. I know you went to the U of M Medical School, but fill us in on uh, on your medical education, if you would.
1: Yes, yeah, so I um, I went to uh, medical school at the University of Minnesota, and then did the remainder of my training. I uh, trained initially in medicine slash pediatrics, so I was board certified in both, and then went on to do adult uh, nephrology training, and I've been a nephrologist since 2002, and currently I work with Intermed Consultants um, uh, in uh, Edina.
0: Very good. Uh, yes, Intermed Consultants. Uh, we'll remind folks of that as we, uh, as we move along. Now, you said uh, pediatrics. Uh, do, do babies have, a, are there a lot of kidney problems that you've seen in your practice uh, with kids like that young?
1: Well, um, it is not very common to have serious kidney disease in children, but there are a number of conditions that are quite common. One of the most common things are just incidental findings on the kidneys on an ultrasound. You know, the mother gets an ultrasound of her baby, and there may be some, um, you know, what looks like might be a blockage in the kidney. And so the child may have to have assessment after a birth to make sure that goes away. Um, things you see most often in children would be uh, disorders that they're born with, uh, genetic or inherited disorders uh, of, you know, basically the tubes and the bladder and all the, the collecting system can be abnormal, so it may not drain in the right way, and that can cause, um, you know, a lot of problems from, from the, the uh, kidneys not draining properly, and that can lead to infection, and, and that's sort of a collection of different things is what most commonly causes kidney problems in adults. But children also can get a full range of kidney problems. They're similar to adults like lupus and there's scarring kidneys and inflammatory kidney, uh, kidney diseases that can affect them as well. But again, very, very uncommon, but uh, they for sure are out there.
0: If was are just joining us, Dr. Jeffrey Conner, who's a nephrologist uh, here in the Twin Cities with Intermed Consultants, answering your kidney questions uh, today at 651-461-9226. I don't remember, doctor, if we covered this at all last time. We have so many questions from our uh, listeners, as usual. Did we talk about kidney stones? If we didn't, let's do it a little bit uh, today. What you, what what are they?
1: You know, you, it's actually interesting because I was going to bring that up Um uh, I was out running in a 5K yesterday, and I was reminded how during the really hot weather, that's when people are actually at increased risk of getting kidney stones. Uh, if you look at the, just on the earth, as you get closer to the equator, kidney stones get more common. And the reason is um, if you're not drinking adequate fluid and you're very hot, the urine becomes very concentrated. And if you're someone who is prone to having kidney stones, The molecules that form the stones get a lot closer together when the urine is concentrated, so if it's very, you know, very dark in appearance or if you're not voiding very frequently. And those molecules can stick together and form crystals, and those crystals keep propagating and actually form a stone. And once it gets to a big size, that's when it causes a problem because it can cause blockage in the ureter, which is the tube that drains the the kidney, and that's when people will get severe, severe pain. So in the hot weather, it's very important to maintain your your, um, hydration. For sure, if you're thirsty, drink, but you want to make sure that you have uh, a good urine output every few hours. You don't need to go crazy and drink quarts of water at a time. You just want to make sure you keep a good flow of water going, Uh, and that does decrease your risk of kidney stones. Especially important if you've ever had a kidney stone, because then you're at a special risk of getting kidney stones again. Uh, I know. Usually cause. Co- oh, go ahead, then
0: No, no, no. Please finish. I'm sorry.
1: Oh, the 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 molecules that can cause kidney stones are different from person to person. It's usually caused by calcium, which is one of the places that uh, the body regulates calcium. It's in your kidneys. Um, Then there are other kind of chemicals that uh, occur naturally that can form stones and crystals uh, like uric acid and and, um, phosphate. But uh, again, it is important to maintain your hydration. You don't, you know, we do see, especially the past couple of weeks for some reason, uh, reports of people who drinking, you know, a half a gallon of water at a time or a child drinking a whole liter of in a couple of minutes, and that's that's not the way to do it because that can be unsafe. It can dilute your blood too much. You want to drink you know, moderate amounts of fluid on a fairly regular basis um, and make sure you avoid getting thirsty or getting the urine too concentrated.
0: You had mentioned it a bit ago, and I recall working with a colleague uh, who's retired now, but I worked with him for many years here. He would uh, He would have kidney stones occasionally, and I've talked to other people, and you said the pain. I, I, I guess the pain is extreme. We had uh, uh, a woman working at CCO who said this, <laughs> this was worse than my delivering twins when they, she did that uh, many I, years I've prior.
1: Had, I've had women say that, too. Now, having witnessed a number of births, I and I had a kidney stone myself. It didn't seem quite on the same scale. <laughs> but, you know, we all have different sort of thermometers for pain. They're very painful. Uh, they will stop you from doing, you know, in your tracks, uh, from Absolutely. doing whatever it was
0: you're doing. Yeah, you meant you mentioned earlier you do have a few children.
1: Yes, I have five children.
0: Five of them. All right. Busy guys, they said. Uh, Doctor, hang on. We're going to take a quick break here, but let's invite our listeners to, again to join in on the conversation. We're talking about kidneys. If you have questions about uh, dialysis, uh, we talked about kidney stones just now. Um, whatever kidney-related questions you may have, we'd love to hear from you, either by phone or by text. One number will get you either, 651-461-9226. Right now, here in the Twin Cities, it's overcast. We're expecting some rain, and I do hope at least uh, in our neck of the woods we do get it. Our temperature reading in the Twin Cities as we head to uh, near, well, 71. We're already at 70. Here at News Talk 830, this is WCCO. It is 70 degrees in the Twin Cities on our way not far to 71 with a good chance of showers. Denny Long in for Susie. She'll be back next week. We're talking on our health hour this uh, hour with a uh, nephrologist. We're talking kidneys with Dr. Jeffrey Conner with uh, Intermed Consultants here in the Twin Cities. If you have uh, maybe a loved one who has uh, kidney issues uh, or yourself, call us with your questions or send a text if that's easier like a lot of folks are doing, 651 4619226. Four six one nine two two six listeners want us to talk uh, if you would, doctor, about uh, dialysis. This particular text uh, says, please discuss hemodialysis, when and why is it needed, how it works, is it needed for life, etc
1: excellent question um, and, you know, i'd like I'll get to it in one second. I just while i you were talking about the weather and the heat, there's one thing I wanted to mention which I think is really interesting that I don't think people know a lot about. Um, And this is how nephrologists talk about the weather Uh, in the, you know, intense heat that we're getting more and more of these days. uh, It's been very interesting because in uh, as you get to the far south in Central America, there's kidney disease, which appears to be developing as a result of intense heat. It's called Mesoamerican nephropathy, uh, common in Mexico and, and in the rest of Central America. And what is felt that happens is some, especially men, it occurs in that work in very intense, hot, humid areas and doing work like sugarcane harvesting, that um, they develop um, uh, recurrent episodes of the kidneys actually briefly shutting down and they don't realize it. And the kidneys will actually shrink and get inflamed and then no longer work. And then the kidneys will fail in that situation. So we have... Um, it's seen, especially down around the border, um, you see young men coming into the hospital, totally kidney failure, everything is shut down, can't be cured, um, which was obviously very startling because usually kidney disease is the disease of folks who are, uh, I, I don't use the old word, I'd say as maturing in their lives. You know, it's, it's typically something seen as you, you get more birthdays, uh, so it's very striking. And um, there may be actually uh, you know, uh, ethnic and genetic backgrounds which predispose to that. And uh, a, a call out I'd like to make, too, to folks that happen to be of either African descent or, or uh, Latino descent is that some uh, folks are at increased risk of kidney disease and have to be more aware of it, like uh, African-American folks in our country and and uh, folks of Native American descent uh, or um, uh, Latino descent, so uh, not everyone is, has the odds stacked against them evenly. There are people who are at higher risk based on their ancestry, and in this case, um, you know to segue into dialysis, somebody like this that comes in in complete kidney failure would be somebody that needs their kidney function replaced. So what we talk about is you know renal replacement therapy, renal just means kidney. Um, and replacing the kidney function has a whole spectrum. Uh, the ideal replacement of kidney function, if there's no treatment and cure for what they have, is a kidney transplant. So kidney donated either from you know, a, a relative or an acquaintance uh, or somebody who's, who's, who has died of brain damage and has uh, brain death. Those are all situations where a kidney can be transplanted into you if you have um, kidney failure. Uh, It's it's the best treatment for kidney failure. It gives you the best quality of life. It gives you the best outcomes, best survival. But kidneys are not available at the drop of a hat, and not everyone is in uh, shape enough to get a kidney. And there are also many other reasons why somebody may or may not um, get a kidney, including their own choice. Maybe that's something that they just—that's not what they want. And, and those folks need renal replacement therapy other ways. And those ways primarily are um, de- uh, hemodialysis and peritoneal dialysis. Now, hemodialysis is what we call blo- you know blood dialysis, and this can be done. It's typically done in a dialysis center. People may have seen them in your Neighborhoods. Either the company, bigger companies would be Davita and Fresenius, um, who have centers with typically anywhere from you know 10 to 20 stations where people come in and get their dialysis treatments, usually three times a week. And in order to get the blood dialysis, there needs to be a good access to the bloodstream, and that's best accomplished with what's called uh, an arterial-venous fistula. Basically, that's an operation that a surgeon does on one of the arms that makes a vein expand to many times its normal width, so that it's big enough to be to have needles placed with it and have um, blood dialysis treatment performed. And when the patient gets the blood dialysis treatment, needles get placed in the um, in the fistula, and the blood goes in a circle out from the patient through filter and then back to them, driven by a pump, over and over and over again, and the blood gets cleaned over a course of three or four hours, and fluid can be removed as well. Uh, the, um, you know, dialysis often gets like this bad name, like, oh, it's, you know, terrible to be on dialysis. It's bad for you. But I think it's really important to remember that dialysis is good, and it, it, without it, people can't survive. They can't go to their next, you know, Thanksgiving or their next Christmas. Um, but often, the kidney disease is the real problem, and we, we just don't have adequate treatments with dialysis always to make you back to to where you would ideally want to be. So dialysis is not bad, and it, it in vast majority of cases is not uncomfortable either. Uh, when we when do we have to do it? Uh, people. get to the point where their kidneys are failing when their own kidneys can't eke by to accomplish basically the goals that need to be done. The salts in your blood like potassium and sodium have to be regulated within a a, a tight enough um, margin to keep keep your heart and muscles going healthy. The acids uh, level in your blood has to be at a normal level or very close to it in order for all the enzymes in your body and all your muscles and nerves to function normally. And there are a lot of byproducts of just the day-to-day machinery of your your body plus the things that you eat that accumulate that normally get ridden getting rid of in the kidneys. As those accumulate, they make you feel very sick. They make you not think straight, you may be incredibly itchy all over your body, you have funny taste in your mouth. And of course, there's no, no or little urine output in kidney failure, so some people will swell up and that can get quite dangerous if the fluid builds up, of course, and congests your lungs. So that's the basic, you know, um, uh, the, the way that dial hemolysis is usually done. It can be done in the home, now though, too. There are technologies with machines that are actually are about as simple as you can get. You know, they're not quite a Fisher-Price toy dialysis machine, but it's very much a user-friendly interface on the available machines. And someone does a treatment at home, uh, they do have to put their needles in themselves and they control the machine and have to give themselves the medicine. But they would typically give – that's usually shorter treatments, more like four or five days weekly. And um, it, it, that can be a great way to stay out of the cold in the winter. Is, is do your dialysis at home, and you could you have more control over your life, and um, you don't have to be running out of the house to to do your treatments quite as often.
0: There's, there's a plus. There's, oh, go ahead. No, there's a silver lining there. I tell you, what, let's let's yeah, do this. I mean, go ahead.
1: Oh, uh, go ahead.
0: Well, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Let's take a break. And we're going to have a look at that forecast. Interesting side note you mentioned about uh, uh, South America and the the heat as we get closer to the equator. I mean, just uh, with with climate changing, uh, that could produce a whole other set of problems. So hang on, Doctor. uh, Please, if you would, we have about another half hour or a little less uh, to go here in the show. If you have any questions about kidneys... Uh, this is your chance uh, to, talk to, uh, to talk to Dr. Conner at 651 461 As I said earlier, you can call in your question or send a text like a lot of folks are doing. And we're going to get back to that text line in just a moment. Here on News Talk 830, WCCO Weather, coming up. It's a Sunday morning here in WCCO. Denning on for Susie Jones. She'll be back one week from today. She's on a CCO Good Neighbor tour, as a matter of fact. We're in the midst of our health show, our health hour uh, we've invited back Dr. Jeffrey Conair, who's a nephrologist here in the Twin Cities with Internet Consultants, answering those kidney questions today. If you have one of those, call us or text us at 651-461-9226. Dr. Conair, I don't know if I interrupted you. If you had uh, another thought you wanted to complete, uh, <clears throat> it's so great. If not, uh, we'll uh, we'll move on.
1: Why don't you go ahead with the questions?
0: Okay. I, I wanted to personally ask you, then I see a uh, um a question from our listeners Uh, how could his or her question was, How can you lower your uric acid naturally? Because I was going to ask you about uh kidneys and gout. Uh, I don't know if we talked about that the last time. First of all, what well, is gout? And yeah,
1: so gout is it's way up there with kidney stones and one of the most painful things that you can get, but it's an arthritis, and what happens is. Little crystals of uric acid, which can also cause stones, interestingly, but these little crystals can accumulate in your joints and build up, and they provoke an intense inflammatory reaction. Uh, The classic place is at the base of your big toe, and it can look like there's an infection. There's so much inflammation, big and red, and so painful that some people can't even tolerate a sheet being on their foot. So it's something you wouldn't wish on your worst enemy. Uh, and again, so it's understandable if this patient has gout that they wanna have fewer attacks because it is terribly painful condition. And the, uh, one of the things that drives it is the amount of uric acid in your blood that is determined partly on your own makeup, um, but also there are elements in your diet that can cause the uric acid to build up in your blood. Uh, they're called purines. It basically, when, you're bas- when your body breaks down things that have DNA and RNA in them, which is all, all naturally occurring foods, the final byproduct to get rid of that stuff is uric acid. And uric acid um, is quite insoluble in a lot of fluids, and that's why it forms crystals. So there's a lot of foods you can av- avoid. If, if you actually just look at for a low-purine diet, at a reputable health source online or if you look at a, a low uric acid diet, it will tell you to avoid some, a lot of things that you, you probably enjoy, <laughs> like beer and meats and cheese. And, and uh, there, there are a lot of foods that, that you can try to restrict to help to reduce your risk. Most people, though, that have significantly elevated um, uric acids in their blood, they they will need a medication to get it down to a level that will help reduce their risk of um, uh, getting gout attacks in the future. Uh, and the most available one, allopurinol, has been around many, many years, and it's it's quite safe medicine. Any medicine can have uh, side effects or issues. But this is one that is, has a long track record, and it really is um, quite well tolerated. So if you do have gout, especially recurring gout, you want to talk to your doctor about using a medication to reduce the uric acid. There are newer medications too that are fancier and more expensive, but the the tried and true you know, uh, bedrock of treating high uric acid levels would be allopurinol.
0: Okay, I, and uh, it's
1: also important to maintain your hydration in that condition as
0: well. Well, speaking of hydration, here's a, <laughs> a different input. Uh, from listeners, in fact, a couple of different folks uh, they want to wonder about alcohol and kidneys specifically. Uh, these listeners are talking about wine. One question is, wine dangerous uh, to your kidneys? Is and another one says, is too much wine dangerous to your kidneys? So, <laughs> what about alcohol?
1: Well, you know, it's interesting because uh, that's one of the first things that people often mention when they're talking about. Well, I've tried to avoid you know drinking and alcohol and all that stuff, and and it is important for your general health. Kidneys, in particular, aren't very susceptible to alcohol. Um, the, the issue that comes up with the kidneys is that if you poison your liver and if your liver fails, the liver sends out master signals to control the kidney and actually will shut the kidneys down. Um, so really for your kidneys, you know, staying within the guidelines, the general guidelines of alcohol consumption is perfectly fine. Uh, Typically now, you know, an average of one drink daily for uh, a woman or two for a male is in a range that is considered very safe. Um, But, you know, I I sure hope wine isn't bad for your kidneys (laughs) from a personal standpoint. (laughs) No, it's, you know, the occasional glass of wine, as long as you're you're having in moderation, is perfectly fine. Uh, Mm -hmm. Of course, if you have... Uh, big health problems that you that you know you're taking a bunch of medicines. Well, so you'd want to consult with
0: your doctor. That's that's good good advice. If you are just joining us uh, this Sunday morning on CCO, Dr. Jeffrey Conner, who's a nephrologist, kidney doctor here on uh, CCO with us, answering those uh, particular questions. He's with Intermed Consultants here in the Twin Cities. Um, six, five, one, four, six, one, nine, two, two, six. Tons of uh, questions as, as before, doctor, uh, this listener would like, if you would, to discuss stage three, a chronic kidney disease. What is that?
1: So this is, this is actually a fantastic question. It's one of the most common questions I'll get from just people, you know, um, on the street, if you will. So the kidney function is um, categorized by the the amounts of filtering ability in the kidney. It's called the glomerular filtration rate. But if you just think of filtration rate, it's GFR, so filtration rate, the number that you get on your lab tests will be, one of them will be estimated glomerular filtration rate. And that is... It, it, it's not technically a percent, but it lines up closely up with 100 that you can look at that number and, and get a, a sense of the percent normal kidney function you have. And that, you know, the, the spectrum from, you know, zero to 100 plus is, to, to categorize it, is put in a categorization scheme. And uh, there are five stages that are talked about, five being the worst, uh, typically people with kidney uh Failure and uh, you know four three two one. Folks within the stage three range—that's where you have a, about thirty to sixty percent of normal kidney function. People that are on the higher end of that, so closer to sixty uh, percent, uh, that's stage three A. This is um, you know many many people have kidney disease in the United States. You could still actually the number of people with kidney disease is about equal to the population of Texas. Uh, you know, so it's very, very common. And most people have mild degrees of kidney disease. In this middle range, this stage 3A, or 3B, people typically are not going to have symptoms um, or lab tests that are markedly abnormal. If the kidney disease is one that worsens with time, and not everybody is. Some people, in that fact, most people, if they have mild degrees of kidney disease, they'll stay at that level for many, many years, and it may never cause them, you know, sort of measurable health effects. Uh, it's, it's really people with mild kidney disease have to follow the general guidelines of maintaining a healthy diet, you know, as close as you can get to a, a quote-unquote Mediterranean type of diet, you know, avoiding excess salts, keeping your blood pressure and cholesterol controlled. Those are the, the, the things for mild kidneys are really the, the main, the things that you should be following anyway. Uh, in terms of the caller's question, the significance to an individual really depends on what their kidney problem is. Is this something that is just incidental and they have a little high blood pressure or it's just unknown? Um is different than if you have diabetes and some of your other tests are very abnormal. Um, So the exact number can have different significance based on the cause of their kidney disease. So it's important to have that discussion with people who take care of you from a health standpoint as to, to find out, do you know why I have kidney problem And, and continue the discussion from there because that's kind of the, the money point is what is causing it and That's that affects the prognosis
0: the most. All right. Well, I'll do this. I'm getting a little bit of a signal here. Time for a real quick break. Uh, when we come sure. back from the break, uh, doctor, I'm looking at a text that maybe we could think about this uh, when we do come back. Uh, the question is how does a tumor grow in the lining of the kidney and what are the treatments if you are an older adult? We'll pose that there to you, you now. Go. We'll take this break and be right back with more of our Health Hour on CCO. Dr. Jeffrey Conner, who's a nephrologist with Intermed Consultants here, is a kidney doctor here in the Twin Cities, answering those questions this uh, Sunday morning at 651-461-9226. We'll be back with more on Newstalk 830. This is WCCO. 7.47 Central Time from the cities of Minneapolis and St. Paul. This is WCCO Radio. Danny Long in for Susie today. Again, she'll be back next week. We're chatting with Dr. Jeffrey Conair, who's a nephrologist, a kidney doctor here in the Twin Cities at Intermed Consultants. Uh, when we pose that question, I'll just go back for those maybe who joined us a little bit late, Doc. Doctor, uh, How does a tumor grow in the lining of the kidney, and what are the treatments if you are an older adult? That was the texter's question.
1: So if I'm going to infer from the question, uh, I think they're, they may be talking about uh, what would be called a, a urothelial tumor. So There's a, a couple of main tumors in terms of cancer we're talking about. There's a lot of benign tumors. But in terms of cancer, kidneys can occur either sort of in the meaty part of the kidney, so the outside uh, kidney, which you normally think of like a kidney bean. Uh, those are renal cell carcinomas. Uh, or they can occur in, in the, the tubes, which is kind of like the lining of the kidney, and those would be like um, transitional cell carcinoma of the, of the urinary tract. So those are, your know, ureter and bladder, and then there's kidney tumor in the meat of the kidney itself. Uh, often these are just, uh, you know, picked up because they got a scan because they, they were, you know, on a car accident, and then there's just a, you know, CT scan of the belly, and oops, they saw, you know, a tumor somewhere. And in, in terms of the treatment of it, it really depends on where it is and what it is. Uh, and urologists are the specialists that typically deal with these. If the kidney tumor, is, it looks like it's going to be a cancer kind of up in the meat of the kidney. Uh, those usually need to be uh, Often they can take out just part of the kidney nowadays. They used to always have to take out the whole kidney. Um, but often they can take out part of one. And make sure that there's no recurrence later. And if it's if the tumor is in the lining of the tubes, the ureter and the bladder, then typically the urologist will go in through the urethra with a scope up into the bladder and take a look at what's going on in the bladder in the in the urethra, the urine tubes, uh, and treat it either locally or with more advanced surgery. Or there's they can put um, treatment into the the bladder and the urine space itself to treat it. So it, it does um, depend a lot on you know where this tumor is, how big it is, what kind it is on, on term, in terms of what um, treatments are available for them.
0: Okay, well, our time is flying by as usual. Interesting uh, yeah. text here doctor maybe we have in the next couple of minutes to answer this one. Uh, Texture says, I'm just beginning to be tested to see if I can donate a kidney to a relative this fall. They have me scheduled for a colonoscopy as part of the testing. Is this really necessary, and if so, why <laughs>
1: yeah. well well the that's a it, that's a perfectly logical question uh and what they are doing is in order to to donate a kidney, the responsibility of the the folks that are managing you know this process is to make sure you're as healthy as possible uh and I don't know the college age, but that includes getting age appropriate or, or you know, or to the person's health history appropriate, screening for cancer. So they're likely just screening this uh, person for colon cancer just to make sure everything is okay before they donate a kidney. And it naturally, you, you, if somebody had a cancer, it could potentially be quite a problem if, if you took an organ from somebody who had a cancer and then put it in someone else, Rarely things can tag along with the kidney and, and pose a threat to the, um, the person who is getting the kidney. But it's really the purpose is to make sure that you're as healthy as possible uh, before you undergo an operation like uh, removing one of your kidneys, which is actually quite safe, um, but has to be done with a very you know, careful eye to the, the well-being of the donor.
0: Yeah, it Makes sense. On a final uh, couple of minutes here, doctor, Uh, here's one that says, uh, is there a blood test to check the functioning of the kidneys?
1: There is, and there's actually several. The the most common one is called the creatinine. If you get a typical blood test that your doctor might get, if you're on medicines to make sure you're okay, there will be a, a test called the creatinine. You know, creatinine, is a molecule that floats around in your blood. It really doesn't do anything, uh, but it's filtered uh, by the kidneys. So we can actually measure the kidney function by the level of creatinine in your blood. So if your kidneys are filtering really well, it will remove the creatinine and the creatinine level will be low. Uh, You know, healthy, um, you know, man's creatinine would be about 0.8 and a healthy female be about 0.7 in an adult. Uh, if your kidneys are not filtering well, that creatinine will accumulate. And as it goes higher, it indicates there's less kidney function. So if your creatinine goes from one to two, for instance, you you probably have lost about half of your kidney function. If it goes from two to three, another half of the kidney function. Um, but the way we interpret the creatinine is, is in the context of that EGFR, the glomerular filtration rate number that's, reported with the creatinine. And that gives you, like we talked about, roughly a percent of what your kidney function is. Another common test that's run is called cystatin C, which is very similar to creatinine, um, but it's not as dependent on your muscle mass. So for certain people, it may be better to get that cystatin C test or you know, get it in combination with the creatinine. But those are the simple ways that we in most common ways we measure kidney function.
0: And I know we just have about a minute left, uh, Dr. and I appreciate your time again today. For those that are concerned maybe about their kidney if they, if if the, if the patient if the person goes in to see their doctor, their primary care person, uh, you know, once a year maybe or whatever to get these various, you know, normal tests, you're going to find that before somebody sees you uh, their provider uh, can can find out what's going on with the kidneys with these tests you you had just mentioned. So, if uh, yeah. somebody's still yeah. proactive enough to 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 see their primary care person, they're going to catch something. I think. Uh, yeah. Am I correct? They're looking
1: at yeah. The, your primary doctor is looking after your kidneys, whether they discuss it with you or not.
0: Um, Absolutely. Oh, very good. I tell you what, it's, it's been a pleasure. We have so many. All right, real quick one now. If you can answer this in 30 oh, sure. seconds, yeah. people are asking, yeah. what uh, should I be concerned about drinking a lot of decaf coffee? No. <laughs> <That's my answer. laughs> Simply put, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll have you back sometime when you have a moment or two, Doctor, because we, we just uh, have so many text messages and I apologize. Wonderful. Charles I really listeners.
1: enjoyed this, Danny, and I appreciate
0: you having me. Th- thanks so much, and uh, take take care of those five kids. I'm sure you will. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> thanks, thanks, Doctor. Well, Dr. Yeah. Jeffrey Conair, who uh, studied did all of his studying here in the uh, Twin Cities. He's with Intermed Consultants. Here in the Twin Cities. Uh, by the way, coming up in just a few minutes, Bruce and Peg will have another edition of Your Money from uh, Wealth Enhancement Group. Expecting some showers uh, today here in the Twin Cities right now on CCO Overcast 70 degrees. Stay with us here on 830W CCO.